Father, as we speak about you, as we preach your word, beyond words, beyond everything, let it have impact in the name of Jesus. Let it fall on fertile ground, which is our heart, and let it germinate, bearing fruits, bearing roots downward and fruits upward in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's have our seats, please. Let's have our seats. Praise God. Praise Jesus. So last week, we started our series, Who is Jesus, right? Uh-uh, I need... like I don't want this to drop. No, 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 no. The energy is very, very important in the house. Praise God. <clears throat> so we started our theme for the month of January, Who is Jesus? And we've been able to go through different parts of it. Most importantly, it brought us to what Jesus was going to do. And we said, if we don't know where we are coming from, we will not know where we are headed. So we decided to take a look at the laws, the old laws that God or Jesus had come to fulfill. Remember, he did not come to abolish them. He came to fulfill them. Right? And because he did these things, he established himself as both a man and a God. Amen? Amen? And we went on to talk about the purposes of the law. Because at the end of the day, it was God the Father that gave Moses these laws to the Israelites back then. Then Jesus came, they asked him, do you want to... Are you saying that these laws do not matter anymore? He said, no. I have not come to abolish these laws. I've only come to fulfill them. So what Jesus came to do was to upgrade them. And he took away the things that do not make sense. So how many of us know um, what we call Agbo back in Nigeria? Raise your hand. You've taken it before. Now, who, who agree with me that Agbo contains everything that you need? Yes or no? I don't agree with that though. It doesn't it contains more impurities than even the active ingredients. That's it. That's the reality. I didn't just chemistry in uni. So I'm talking from a point of place of knowledge. When you take a boy, you actually analyze it. The things that are not actually going to work is like 80%. The active ingredient there is like 20%. So that's what medicine did. Extracted the 20% and put it in a tablet for you. That's why it's small. Do we understand? So, what Jesus came to do was exactly what medicine did to Agbo. He took the old laws, removed the active ingredients there, discarded or put aside the ones that did not make sense, right? And gave us the ones that will actually give us life. Because, please, what is alcohol doing inside Agbo? They will add gene inside. What, what is the usefulness? To make it what? So you are telling me that if there's no other way, or there's not, like you are saying that if you take everything without the alcohol, you will not be healed. The water will have No problem. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Alcohol makes him, oh, I took my experience. 
No problem. Praise God. So, what Jesus came to do was to take out the active ingredients in the old laws. And then he gave us that active ingredient. And he says, you do not need to kill. Remember what we discussed last week? Right? Back then, if they want to start a year, they would kill one goat. Right? For their sins. And then two lambs for preservation for the next year. Right? Now, Jesus said, you don't need to do that. Let me go and die for you. As long as I have died, your own, just believe. Once you believe me, you are set suit. So you don't have to kill anything again. So, exactly, imagine the stress of having to go and look for goats to buy or lamb to buy. Imagine here now, we're still in the old days, you have your one goat and two lamb. Everybody have one goat and two lamb, and goats are making us survive. We can't even preach the goats so far. <laughs> Praise God. Right, so, the fourth thing, we talked about the purposes of the old law. The first one was reveal the holy character of the eternal God to the nation of Israel. The second, I'm running through, we talked about this last week, so I'm just you know, running through this. The second one to set apart the nation of Israel as a distinct nation from other nations. The third one is to reveal the sinfulness of man. Now, the fourth one, which we are going to go into now, is to provide forgiveness through sacrifice and offerings for the people who had faith in the Lord. So, the animals they would slay, the things they would do, the incense they would burn, the grains of food, all those things they would do together, right? Jesus has come to tell us that we don't need to do all that anymore. He has simplified it. That's exactly what he did. He, simplif- he brought it to... In fact, he made, he made it so easy that anyone can actually walk in the reality. That is what Jesus did. Praise God. Now, one of the old purposes of the old law also was provide a way of worship for the community of faith through the yearly feast. So if you look at Leviticus chapter 23, they talk about different feasts. So there's the, the Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of the Unliving Bread, you know, offering of the first fruits, Festival of Weeks, Festival of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Festival of Tab- like many, like just call it, the, just different sacrifices, different, you know, rituals that they had to do, right? And the sixth thing that the old law, the purpose of the old law was provide God's direction for the physical and spiritual health of a nation. I'm running through this because this is not the aim of this teaching. This is where I want to go, so I want to maximize my time and run through this. Right. The seventh and the last one is to reveal humanity that no one keep the law, but everyone falls short. So what the old laws also did was to just tell man that as man as trying to phrase that English. It doesn't come out bad. As you are as a man. Is that correct? Okay. The old laws told us that man in himself is not righteous. Man himself cannot be anywhere close to what righteousness is. So man has to do a couple of things. The sacrifices, the, you know, many, many funny things, right? Just so that they can get a glimpse of what righteousness truly looks like. But remember what Jesus did. When he died, when he actually gave himself to us, when he was when 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 he was pierced on the side, when he did when he went through that horrible thing, what Jesus did, oh, I am um, there's a mobile game I used to play when I was a bit younger. It's called Naruto. I don't know if many of us have heard of Naruto before, right? There's something they do in Naruto. They call it substitution jutsu. Who has an idea of what I'm talking about? Okay, I have some manga heads here. So what happens is. 
they do a sign and he substitutes himself. More like replace. So that's exactly what Jesus did for us. So when you are going to meet the Father in your prayer and you kneel down, even as a saved person, God is not seeing you. He's seeing the one who died for you. Because at the end of the day, our, our so-called righteousness is like a filthy rag. If you, see, if you think you are holy, if you think, oh, I've done you know, everything, I'm a pious person. If you are shown in the spirit what you actually really look like, even you, you'll be scared for you. And that is the reality. So that is why we need Jesus at every point. That's why we pray in his name. That's why we come to the Father in his name. That's why we do all these things in his name. Because without him, no man can see God. So if we understand this, then we know that what Jesus actually did was beyond dying on the cross. Was beyond giving himself away. That's why we should bear the burden. When we see someone that is not saved, when we see them and we are chatting with them, and deep down, the thing should be pricking you in your heart. Ah, and Jesus died for this person, you know. And Jesus gave himself for this person. How come? What can I do? What can I do? How can I help? What can I do? So the person doesn't perish. Because who is going to lose or who is going to gain? Do you think he's going to... Yes, everyone rejoices when his soul is added. No problem. But at the end of the day, it's to the human's best interest. It is your... It, it is... It pays you to serve God. Praise Jesus. It's not the God that told us that if we don't do it, if we raise stones to do it. He can have anything he wants. He can't do anything. He doesn't... I don't know whether this is scriptural. And I'm honest, right? I don't think God needs us. If he wanted to do the things he wanted to do, he could have done it anyway. But there's something about him. I'll call it love. I can call it compassion. I can call it that desire for fellowship. It is that thing that Yoruba will say, Tong Ponwale as humans. That God can look at a human and say, No, I will not walk in this place unless there's a human there. Not because he cannot and do what he wants to do. No. But he will say, He will just stand and say, No, I've said my word. I've said, This is how I, I'll do it. I've put man, I've given him dominion. I've said, Do this, do this. Let me stick to my word. Even God understood the possibility of him breaking his own word. What did he do? He put his word even as an authority over himself. So that when he has given his word, the word will not come back to him. So when God has said, oh, I will do so, 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 and so, and something happens and he's not able to do it, he can go, you can hold him by the truth and say, God, but you said that this is your word now. No, no, you should have said it. You should have said, just like when your child needs something from you, they come and grab your leg. And they say, mommy now, no, mommy. And you are trying to move and they are saying, no, mommy. They are saying, no, mommy. That's exactly what we do anytime we are quoting God's word. But you have said it. So it must come to pass. Jesus said, he said, not one, not one stroke. So that, you know what, let, let me paraphrase that part of the, I can't, I can't remember where it is right now. I think it's in uh, Matthew. He said, not one part of the scripture, like the written word, you know, would not would fail. Not not Bible described not one stroke. So what that means is if they wrote A like this, eh? One chip of the A, one maybe they're breaking it, one will not miss. Everything must happen. So that means your surest way 
to even enjoy what God is trying to do for you is to stick to the word. Praise Jesus. I've digressed a bit. Helping God. When Christ came, he fulfilled the law by dying and paying the price. Our penalty, our own penalty for breaking the law. That's why it says in Galatians 3.24, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. What that means is, before Christ came, the law was our guide. The law was all we had. But as Christ entered the situation, that equation changed. All we now have to do is just believe. Sounds easy, right? But it's actually very difficult. Because at the end of the day, even the people that saw the most miracles, I've seen most signs and wonders, they miss it sometimes because they still have that doubt. I was still praying to God three or four days ago. I said, help my own belief. Because sometimes I realize that I've seen some things by privilege of, privilege, um, like God has given the privilege, right? But sometimes when some th- things, maybe he gives me a word and he said this is going to happen, I said for myself asking, how shall these things be? And Holy Spirit ministered to me and said, Ah, do you want your mouth to shut? Do you, you want your tongue to, you know, to just, you know, what's the word now? Do you want to go dumb? Because that was exactly what Zachariah did. Now, if you remember that story, the angel Gabriel came to Zachariah, told him, him and his wife, they were old. How shall these things be? Angel Vex. I am, he restituted his role and told him, I'm the angel that stands in the presence of God, blah, blah, blah. And he told him, because you have done this, you will be dumb until what I have said has come to pass. Even then, that's when I realized that <clears throat> angels can do some things unwillingly. I don't think God sent him to make the guy dumb. Honestly. I don't think, maybe he was just angry that he was just vexing that the guy just doubted him at that point. Now the same question this guy asked, was the same question that Mary asked. But what I came to understand when I read scriptures was that Mary was asking from a point of what is my role? What do I do to make this thing work? Zachariah was asking, how is this possible? So they asked the same question, but the angel was able to see through their heart and say, this one is unbelief. This one is trying to find out how I can do it. That's why it happened the way it happened. Funny thing, it happened in Abraham too. When the, the um, sorry for, for Sarah, when the angel told her, and she was la- I wonder was even worse. She was laughing. But <laughs> you see, God in His sovereignty uh, decides how He wants to deal with men. Do we understand? So He decides. Oh. Even if the person that has said, oh, I'm going to laugh and do about it, God will still decide how he wants to treat the matter. So that's why, please do not use someone else's experience as a yardstick for your life. I beg you. Don't use it. Sir? <laughs> Praise God. So, do not use someone else's experience as a yardstick. So the fact that someone is doing something and they can't get away with it, that is their dealings. You don't know. Oh, Gebra will say, oh, my God, don't buy ye. That means you don't even know what they are dealing with. You don't know how it's going to affect them. You don't even know what to do. So if you now say because Pastor Amina is doing something, me to let me go and do it. Ah, what hell? What hell? How do you say it? Nite kute. I'm about to say Yoruba is sweet. I'm not the Yoruba wife, so that's why. Yoruba is very sweet. Praise Jesus. Praise God. 
single rule should not come from me. Huh? Just leave me alone. So, <laughs> so we're moving on to the message of the gospel. Because at the end of the day, this is the deeper, this is the, let me say, the crux of the matter. Right? This is where we are starting. The ones we did last week and before now. It's just to give us where we are coming from. Because if you don't know where you are coming from, how will you know where you are headed? When you see the truth, how will you recognize the truth? You know, I heard a story when if they want to train, um, what's it called? You want to train bankers from, you know, recognizing notes. They do it in a different way. Some, like, some are very good at, they, when they hold um, a paper, like money, they, when they weigh, like they know the weight of an actual dollar or something. Like they can feel it. They know that this one is fake. It doesn't weigh. So what did they try to do? They've exposed them to what fake might look like. Then over the next, the longer period, they expose them to the original. So they spend more time with the original, which we are going to do now, so that when fake comes, they definitely need a scanner. Mary looking at it. If you give them 100k bondu, they know that this one is not 100k bondu. They just know. Because why? They spend time with the original. So we're going to spend time with the original. Now, what is the original? The message of the gospel. What did Jesus come to do? Because at the end of the day, do you think he just came to die because he felt like it? No. No. He didn't do that. He didn't just come to give himself because he wanted to. Because there was something much greater than him at play. And God needed someone to fulfill that. And Jesus volunteered himself and said, I will go. Remember, it was a voluntary work. He said, I will go. To tell us that Jesus was 100% man, this thought just came to me. You know, at one point, he was praying. And he was thinking about the death ahead. And he said, Father... If it be your will, let this cup pass over me. Then again he remembered. He said, not my will, but your will. Ha! What a man. Many of us can look at things in front of us and say, God, not my will, but your will. Just look at it. Do you think it was difficult for Jesus to say he's not doing it again? Let's be, no, let's, I, I think about this thing sometimes. Like, Jesus could have just said, I'm not doing again. And I can tell you, eh, it soon reduces authority. God will just find another way to come and help man. Hmm. Praise God. My prayer is as we talk about him, right, as we talk about different parts, what I'm expecting that God does, right, is that he illuminates our hearts, shows that there are different parts of what I'm saying. As I'm saying, it may resonate to you in a different way. It might come to you in a different way. It might come to you. But the most important thing is, you walk away from today's service knowing that you are different from how you came in. Praise God. Christ had to spend three and a half years to preach. After this, he had to die. See this as a two-factor authentication. Who knows what 2FA is? So, he had to preach, then he had to die. If he had preached and did not die, right, would have had knowledge, but no authority. If he had just come and died, like we have some people that die for it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking bad against them. They just, maybe there's a cause 
maybe they're protesting and they just set themselves on fire and everything, right? What happens is that <laughs> I know I'm laughing. <laughs> Praise Jesus. If they die like that and they did not preach any message, what happens is we have zero knowledge. That means we don't even know why they died. And many people have gone out like that. We don't even know why. We just have set them on fire. This one happened, that one happened. So what Christ did was what we call 2FA, two-factor authentication. He made sure that he preached. After preaching, then he died. He locked it on both ends so that we both have knowledge and authority. Praise God. Praise Jesus. And I wrote, I was, I was reading and I remember that mission and vision. And I'm like, if Christ had a mission and vision statement, how would it look like? Let's assume he came. No, he came. He did come, right? And he has gone. So, what would have been his mission and vision? And he takes me to Matthew 4, chapter 17. That's where his vision is. He says, to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. That was the vision of Christ. When God sent him, that was what he was coming to do. Dying was just a means to an end, though. Dying was a means to an end. Now, the vision to achieve that mission is by teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. That is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. So that means when you want to set out to do anything, you said you need to structure your mission and vision properly because Christ had one. That was why the first thing he said, the first message he preached, was talking about the kingdom of God coming. That was it. Even before he started calling disciples, before he started calling anybody to join him, he was so sure that this is what I am supposed to do, this is my role. Then how was he going to do this? He already told himself how. By teaching or preaching, which what we are doing right now. Then proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And then healing every disease and illness among the people. This is what every Christian should focus on. Now if you look at that mission statement of Christ, we understand what preaching is. At least we understand what healing is. But there's one gray area that most people might misconcept. And that is the good news of the kingdom. So the question is, what is the good news of the kingdom? What is the good news of the kingdom? What is the good news of the kingdom? Just ask yourself, what answer is coming to mind? Let me take feedback. Who wants to give it a try? Good news of the kingdom. To you, what does it mean? Okay. Who is saying something else? Salvation is still, that's one end, but it's correct. What else again? Evangelism means to an end. It's still part of it, it's correct. Who else again? No one wants to give it a try. I know you have something in your mind. <laughs> if you want to know what the good news of the kingdom is, we're going to talk about it in, in three parts. The first one, is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to paraphrase this. It means that everything in earth, on earth, should be brought under the authority of Christ. Remember in the beginning, John 1, 1. The word was with God. The word was God. Without him, nothing was made. Right? So, when man lost that authority in Genesis, what Christ was coming to do, was to bring everything back under his authority. 
That is the first news. If you call it headline one. Let's as we are broadcasting news. It's still part of the good news. So that means that if at the end of everything that Christ did, if everything did not come under his authority, then he did not do anything. He could have healed. He could have casted out. Preached. No problem. But the dying part of his work was what brought that authority back. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. This is why when Jesus died, he had to resurrect. Because this will prove that he had defeated the things under the earth. And if he did not, he would not be able to establish authority. Praise God. This is why in Matthew 18, 18, because of this authority, I can bind something on earth and expect it to be bound in heaven. Because of the authority. Not because of my work, so. Because of the authority that Christ has come to, you know, the Christ gave us. Because, that is why, at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess. Where? In heaven, on earth, under the earth. Everything, when you mention Jesus, everybody must align. Because of the authority. Because of the authority. Because of the authority. The gospel says that all creation is responsible to Christ. All. Because that was the original plan. That was how it happened originally. So the gospel is saying that all creation is responsible to Christ. That means nobody is exempted. Because when the king of glory comes on that day, when he wants to judge everybody, plus those that say that they are atheists, and those that say that they don't believe, and those that say they worship the earth, and those that say they study, there's one um, um, school of um, science, whatever, very close, they study all religions, and they now say, we are studying all religions, and we agree that, you know, everybody is having their different claims, they're just analyzing, plus everybody we align, every single person, all creation, nobody will be missing. So that means, and I'm starting with this part of the gospel, because we've personalized gospel, more like, and it's human nature to want to pull things to ourselves, to make us feel comfortable. But this is what the gospel is saying first. The gospel is bigger than any individual. Bigger than any nation. Bigger than any country. Bigger than any political structure. The gospel concerns the whole world. It's a global phenomenon. That's what the gospel is. Because at the end of the day, when it happens... Nobody will claim they are APCO. Nobody will claim that they are right wing or left wing. Nobody. It doesn't matter anymore. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Now let's personalize the gospel a bit. Now we understand that it's a global thing. And we are to play our own role in bringing this global phenomenon to come. Preaching the gospel, you know, talking to people about it. Once you understand that it's not about me, about what I want, about my needs. It's not about that. It's beyond you. That is the first understanding. Please, I want everyone to walk away with that understanding. Today, you know that the gospel of Christ is beyond me. It's about what God wants and how he wants to establish his kingdom. Remember, every kingdom has rules and regulations. The same way, when the kingdom of God wants to be established on earth, the gospel is like the laws that must, man must do. Or man must obey. 
Praise Jesus. Now, the gospel is also the good news of the message, of the benefit that we receive when we believe in Christ. So I caught, I have, I caught them maybe three hours. Restoration, redemption, and reconciliation. Right? So, that part of the gospel is now the personal one. Now, you understand that it's a global thing. So, scaling it down, the, what's the gospel? The gospel redeems us, reconciles us, and then restores us in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The truth is, if we hear all these things and then you still decide consciously to remain in sin, you are wrong. And there's no place for you in the kingdom of God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. The gospel of the kingdom is the news that there is freedom from our slavery to sin if we repent and turn to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Hallelujah. Let me tell us something that sin does. Sin gives us a false hope. When a man is in sin, it's like, it's a false hope. So, that's why the parable in Luke 11, 21-22, when Jesus was talking about the strong man who has, you know, goods in his house and he's locked it away, and then if a stronger man comes, the stronger man can, you know, take it away from him. Now, let's rephrase that parable. Let's assume that instead of the house, now we have a castle. And then in that castle, we have humans. And now, this strong man, according to that parable, by my understanding, was talking about the devil. What the devil has done is he puts humans that are in sin or decide to be under the law, right? They are in that castle. They can run around the fence of the castle. They can play, ride horses, do everything. But they cannot leave. They are trapped. So what happens is when Christ comes, he is the stronger man that will now free these people away and take his goods away from him. So that means if, you, if anyone is in sin, you are walking with a false hope of freedom. In the true essence of this, you are not actually free. You are tied. You know, the image of tied that comes to my mind is when they want to kill someone in a very terrible way and they tie a huge stone around their leg and they throw them inside the river. There's nothing that can help that person, no, except someone else comes. Because the person just keeps going down. Just keep going down. That's the image that's coming to mind right now. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That will not be our portion. Mm. Now the question... Oh, my time is... I think I'm exhausted time already. Praise God. Next week... Right. We will talk about how we Christ established his kingdom. Right. Because we've understood what the gospel is. We understand where we are coming from. We understand the things that he has done to get us to this point. And the question is, how will he do it? Then we understand that it's an internal thing. It may not be in the headlines. But it will rest in heaven. When a man receives Christ, it happens internally first. If we look at Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, it said, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, that they're talking to Christ, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. That in the midst of you, rephrase it, kingdom of God is within you. So it starts inside first and then works its way outside. 
the kingdom of God is not a political party. The kingdom of God is not... Hmm. For anyone doubting the existence of Christ right now, that's what I'm hearing in my spirit, that you just... You're just listening to me talking and wondering, is all these things, are they as if I'm reading from my book of Bible stories? I ask that God gives you illumination right now in the name of Jesus. That beyond the words, it enters your spirit. Because what it will make you do, it will make you go back, pray, study. And then you would now be start you now start walking in the in that in that reality in the name of Jesus. Let me stop here for today. Let me stop here for today. If Christ came and died for me, and at the end of the day I miss heaven, whose fault is it? Thank you. It's my fault. If at the end of everything, I don't have a consciousness that is always with me, Whose fault is that? Good. Keep blaming me. Hope you know that I'm talking about us, right? There's no problem. If Christ did all that he did, and then we can't bring others into that reality, whose fault is that? So I mentioned three things now. I hope we get it. So it's beyond you knowing what to do or what is right. You need to bring others into that same reality. Because if you don't, it will hold you accountable. This is not a threat. I didn't say it. It's not me. Because at the end of the day, you are responsible. The moment you give your life to Christ, the day you did it, it stopped becoming about you. That From that very moment, the way God revealed this thing to me, more, in, more like in a harsh way, you know, sometimes I, I worry about saying some things because I don't know how people are going to receive it, but I trust that God will help us with understanding. That the moment, up until the point where I gave my life to Christ in November 2018, up until that day, I can't remember the exact day right now, I was doing a, a service, in, I was serving in, um, that was no, 2017, I was serving in Ofagbe, as in Delta State, the village there, right? And from that moment, it stopped being about me. That means as Christians, let me tell you that's our end goal. Eh? When we start, Jesus this, Jesus that, when you give your life to Christ, when you are working in that reality, start looking after someone else. It starts being about you. Because at that point, you become a, a very important part of the gospel. Be, that is, because of you, lives will be changed. Now, the same because of you, the same issue now, people can also derail if you are not careful. That's why Paul speaking, he said that, do we, trying to find, I'm trying to rephrase this in a very simple way, right? He said, if I would do this particular thing and it will cause my other person to sin, right? He has to stop. You don't have to do that. Because at the end of the day, you now become a beacon of hope. For someone else. Lives are now connected to you. They give your life to Christ. God now says, ah, this one is worthy. This one now understands. Now receive more. Now, but if you now start, if you want to now stay in that state, 
you know, of always being the, on the receiving end from God. You can't last in that, in, that, in that place. God will not be angry with you. He's a merciful God. But we'll just leave you there. You'll be able to do anything more. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Let's just bow our heads and just say a prayer to God. And what we are praying is that This is the phrase that just came to my mind. Lord, help me. Because I've read all these things, God. But I want you to help me. My heart is willing. I want to do these things. But I ask that you help me. I ask that you help me. I ask that you help me. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I hope we're blessed.